0: Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. You know, we have a lot in common with the first disciples despite the centuries that separate us. For example, we must seek to properly understand the implications of Jesus' teachings just as they did in their own time, and we must do that in our own time. We learn in gathered communities, just as they did. We gather around the Lord's table in unity with God and with one another, uh, just as they had a practice of doing. Our new lives in Christ erase our social status and connect us to God's grace in the same way that was true for their lives. And so in many ways, in countless ways, the challenges and joys of following Christ are the same uh, for us as they were for our ancient brothers and sisters from so long ago. There is, however, one primary difference. They, at least the original disciples, could see Jesus' physical body and we cannot. But what's interesting is that the Apostle John, as he's recording Jesus, actually says that this gives us an advantage. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus is recorded as saying, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, then the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, this seems odd at first, but think about it. If Jesus were physically present with us today, we would be so focused on Jesus over there or right there or out there. But with Jesus physically absent, we have the opportunity to discover that the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of Christ, is right here, right now, and within. Today is Pentecost Sunday, which celebrates the outpouring of the spirit of Christ on the world. It's a fascinating story that's found in Acts chapter 2, and I want to read the first eight verses to you. I'll be reading from the NRSV, and it says this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Amazed and astonished they said, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Ferga, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with a new kind of wine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, last week we talked about Ascension Sunday and how that represents Jesus' rise to authority as ruler over all of the nations. And now where his presence fills all of creation. It's quite an odd story, but quite a beautiful story when you begin to understand its meaning and its implications. And Pentecost is really a continuation of that same story where his presence, the presence of God, doesn't just fill the whole earth, but now also fills us. It's also filled with imagery that represents to us movement, wildness, and life. You have images such as the rushing wind, the tongues of fire, and the gift of language. Um, Each of these images point us to the reality of God's Spirit, that the Spirit of God invigorates, it purifies, it moves and flows in and among us. But today, what I wanna do is focus in on the gift of language. Now, for a long time, scholars have debated about uh, the exact mechanics of this miracle. Was it a miraculous gift of speaking where those filled with the spirit began fluently speaking a language that they did not know? Or was it a gift of hearing where each one uh, was miraculously enabled to hear words that were being spoken in their own language? This conversation is interesting, no doubt, but I actually wanna take a little broader look at this passage. Um, And here's kind of the key thing that I wanna focus in on. With the miracle of language at Pentecost, the Spirit of God reverses the sin of Babel. Now, let me explain. In the story of the Tower of Babel that's recorded in Genesis chapter 11, Ancient Babylonians tried to grasp godlike powers by building a tower to the heavens using bricks. Now, at this point in history, the brick was a brand new technology. And so these folks gathered together and they tried to leverage this new technology and unify everyone under one culture and one language. It's the first example in history of an empire trying to bring unity through uniformity. Now empires throughout history have uh, understood unity as everyone looking the same and doing what you're supposed to do to embody the cultural norms of that empire. And this all began at ancient Babel. One language, one culture, all of us being the same and then look what we can accomplish. Now, during this kind of self-quarantine that we've been in, uh, my family has gotten really into the Star Wars films. Uh, we've watched all 10, the, the main nine episodes and Rogue One. We haven't watched Solo, no, no one really counts that anyway. And what I noticed is that this concept is nearly, near perfectly represented by the dark side in the Star Wars saga. So, whether it's the Sith under leader Senator Palpatine, or the Empire under the leadership of Darth Vader, or the First Order under the leadership of Kylo Ren, and we can thank my youngest daughter for these wonderful drawings, the visual aesthetic For the minions under the leader, is that everyone is to look the same, to do the right, to do the thing that they're ordered to do, to fall in line. And so the armies are all identical stormtroopers. The upper level leaders all wear the same uniform. Uh, All of the the fighter ships match. And so for imperial leaders, unity comes from uniformity. Power comes from being the same. Value is measured by how much you fit in. Now, I know that some of you are wondering, where is he going with this? Stick with me. I promise I'm going somewhere. And actually, let me give you another illustration. And I want to say this as kindly and as pastorally as I can. But it's something that we have to grasp a hold of. If we're to be truly Christian in this time and in this place. So to illustrate this point from not the Star Wars saga, but from our own world today. Sadly, systemic racism is very much alive in America today. The program of America has largely been the upward mobility of the white man. So systems and structures sit silently in the background, trying to keep people of color from being upwardly mobile inherently preventing them from getting on with the cultural program. And what we learn from the biblical story is that God opposes these imperial ideals. That at Babel, that opposition meant multiplying their language and scattering people. But for us in our time and in our day, it means that any and all work that seeks to upend systems of injustice against people of color is, in fact, the work of the Spirit. Now, often this will look like public justice work, like raising awareness. But this will always look like the difficult work of looking at our own lives to see how we have participated and contributed to the injustice and then allowing the Spirit of God to move in us and to purify us from that. And so what we see at Pentecost Sunday in Acts chapter two is a reversal of the sin of Babel, that this time the Spirit of God brings incredible unity through the miracle of languages. And so the invigorating spirit of God shows us at Pentecost that it's not unity without diversity and it's not diversity without unity but there is a powerful third option that is available through the power of the spirit and that is unity and diversity in harmony with one another. And so there is this incredible unity in and through the spirit of God but not at the cost of diversity. It's a beautiful kind of reversal of the sin of Babel, where the Spirit of God is continually at work, where God opposes the sin of Babel, but then all the way, all those years and generations later, He reverses it at Pentecost. Now, back to the Star Wars saga. This is also beautifully and visually portrayed in the Star Wars saga where the rebels are diverse in language and race. Now, they have common symbols and expressions, but never at the expense of the, own, of the culture of their members, and never at the expense of the language. So if you see a collection of imperial, uh, imperial soldiers, they all look the same. And if you see a collection of rebel fighters, they are all diverse. Pentecost reverses Babel. Now, of course, we could talk all day long about the theology and philosophy of the evils of empire and the unity of the Spirit, but the truth is this stuff is much, much harder to live out than we would like to admit. And the reality is, is we need to have this consistent and unifying work of the Spirit in our lives in order to help us live this out. And so what the Apostle Paul does, uh, and this is out of Romans chapter 6, is he talks about three primary identifications with Christ that represent our life of being led by the Spirit. And I want to talk to you very quickly about those three. What Paul says in Romans 6 is that we share in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And that this is how we live in the Spirit of Christ. Uh, and live led by the Spirit of Christ. And so first, as we commit to following the ways of Jesus, which as a Christian, we should really take seriously the things Jesus says, right? That the Sermon on the Mount, the instructions of Jesus, uh, even when they're not convenient, even when they seem to go against the cultural norms of our time and of our day, we ought to take seriously and, and try to seek to understand those. And as we commit to doing that, following the ways of Jesus, trusting him, what happens is we churn from our old habits and we churn from our old patterns. And so our old self with its pride and anger, prejudice, greed, etc., dies with Christ. In a sense, we let go of what had been and then do our best not to pick it back up. And so this is what Paul means when he says that those who are in Christ are a new creation. That the new creation that is to come has already begun in the lives of Christians. Did you catch that? The new creation that is to come and that is the source of our hope, the day that when all things will be made new, that day and that reality has already begun in Christians who themselves are little new creations inhabiting the old creation. And so we have to let go of our old ways of being. And in that way, We identify with Christ's death. And then we join Jesus in his burial. And for us, this is symbolized by baptism, that burial is this place of silence and of rest. And when we are baptized, we join the new creation community of God that is committed to not being driven by fear. And so we instead, we enter into this confident rest of God who is making all things new. If we are having trouble being led by fear in the midst of this pandemic, I encourage you to lean into the hope that as we talked about last week, that God is in charge. He has authority over all of creation. He will bring a day when all things will be made new. A day of resurrection is coming. And so while we certainly can hold on to worries and anxieties and do our best, we don't want to live there. We don't want to be driven by fear. But instead, enter into a place of baptismal rest in Christ. And so in this way, we join Christ in his burial. But the good news that Paul wants to tell us and that I want to tell you today is that Paul. we also identify with the resurrection of Christ, that we join Christ in new resurrection life. And I want you to know today, church, that that is both a future hope and a current reality, that having let go of our old life and entered into a new rest and hope in Christ, we are then opened up to the new life that he brings. And this is the very thing that allows us to live into and further explore what it means to live in unity and diversity that is powered by the Spirit. Because when we are driven by fear and when we are not open to the movement of new things by the Spirit, that's when we are so easily alienate and demonize the other. And so my hope and prayer this Pentecost Sunday is that we would each be open to the movement of the Spirit in our lives. That worship services, whether in person or online, are not just a place to gain intellectual knowledge or be encouraged, but rather the time of worship is a time to allow the Spirit of God to move in us, through us, and among us. I wanna leave you with a quote from author and, and kind of public theologian named Brian McLaren. He says this in his book called We Make the Road by Walking. He says, at the core of Jesus' teaching, sorry, at the core of Jesus' life and message was this good news. The spirit of God, the spirit of aliveness, the wind, breath, fire, cloud, water, wine, dove spirit who filled Jesus Is on the move in the world. And that leaves us with a choice. Do we dig in our heels, clench our fists, and live our own agenda? Or do we let go, let be, and let come, and so be taken up into the Spirit's movement? May we all be taken up by the movement of the Spirit of God. And may it lead us into more Christ like ways, both in us, and for us personally, but also in the ways in which we live out our faith in the world and we name injustices. God's grace be with you and may his spirit fill you.